Hi, everybody. Welcome to a new week, new edition of Houston Sports Weekly, our weekly sports podcast. You can check it out on KPRC2+. Click to Houston.com. Randy McAvoy, Ari Alexander with you this week. Uh, next, what, 25, 26 minutes. Got a couple of segments. We'll get some Astros uh, talk in segment two. But we wanted to start uh, segment one fresh off the Texans preseason opener. If you uh, weren't able to watch it last night, Texans beat the Patriots. 20-9 to nine to get this preseason uh, off and running. All eyes, Ari, on C.J. Stroud. He got the start. He wasn't in there long, though. Too. I thought he was actually going to play a little bit longer than two series. You blink and he was out. Uh, not a great opening night. Had the interception, but it's a step. you got to get him out there a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't good. Um, I did want to see him play more. I don't think you can evaluate. We went like two for four and threw a pick. That's just not enough right. time to evaluate what he can do throwing out there for a couple a couple of series. Davis Mills looked good, which uh, yep. for someone who has been in the league for a couple of years, you sort of expect that he can go in there and, and know how to, to command a huddle in an mm-hmm. NFL preseason game. But the star of the night was not – Second overall pick, C.J. Stroud. Wasn't third overall pick, Will Anderson, who actually played pretty well on the defensive end. It was Tank Dell, who might be one of the smallest wide receivers in the league. And I think every time he does something, we've known what he can do in Houston, see him at the University of Houston. And he went to uh, the Senior Bowl, and everyone's like, whoa, this guy's really good. And he gets drafted, and then everyone's like, oh, well, he's tiny. The Texans got him, local hometown kid. We'll see. And then he does this, and again, everyone, whoa. He's pretty good. Good route runner, got open, made plays, looked really comfortable out there. I mean, he was he'd make catch, take a hit, get right up. I mean, he didn't look like I know he's a rookie, but he didn't like look like it uh, Thursday night and looked really comfortable in this offense. Finished with five catches uh for 65 yards, so uh, not a bad start at all. You mentioned Mills, Case Keenum came in and was the veteran that everybody knows he is as well, but we'll see. Next week's going to be interesting because the Dolphins are coming in. And uh, I, I like watching the joint workouts right. because they're going head-to-head with somebody else. So uh, I'm really looking forward to next Wednesday and Thursday uh, watching Stroud put in the work and some of these other guys as well against these Dolphins. But uh, defensively, not bad. De- defense, uh, I think, produced three sacks. Held the Patriots like 3-12 at on third down. So, I mean, a lot of work to do. There's no doubt D'Amico Ryan's addressed it after the game, but he was really high on tank. And uh, he said, players, coaches, we got to just roll up our sleeves, get back after this weekend. From a score standpoint, I don't see that game looking all that different from what we're going to see in the regular season. I think there's going to be a decent amount of low-scoring games. Yeah. CJ is going to be learning. I don't know how crisp the offense is going to be at times, but it looks like the defense is pretty good. They have a handful of players who can make plays. The, the D-line's getting pass rush. They can stop the run a little bit. The linebackers are where I think they're going to have some trouble figuring out, mix and match who the guys are to play. Secondary solid, and the defensive line has looked pretty good. Yeah, they'll play more as this uh, preseason uh, goes on. All right, uh, for next few minutes, we're going to play a little bit of the uh, post game that came in from Foxborough. Listen in, uh, let's listen in now to D'Amico Ryan's, some of his comments and others there from the podium at Foxborough. Thought he moved around well. Was he went, went to the right place with the ball a couple times, you know, and it was good to see him move out of the pocket and try to make some things happen there. We know we have some things to clean up up front. I don't want him having to move as much, but we all have things to clean up and get better at, but I thought it was a a good first outing, good look at live action, so I thought it was good for him. It was good to see Tank make some plays. We've seen him make a lot of plays throughout training camp, some of these same plays, so it was good to see him right do the same thing here you know, in a game. So he's uh, 
can be an explosive playmaker for us, and we look forward to him continue to make some of those plays. Uh, with the interception there, I think Mills made a really nice play. Veteran player made a nice play. We probably were a little late there with the ball, and it was a good learning lesson, and that's why we do you know, preseason. That's why it's important to get live game reps so you can see you know, how can you come out and improve, where can you improve, what do I need to do different next time on those certain plays. And, of course, offensively, we want to be in position to take care of the ball better. All right, that's our number one thing. We have to protect the ball, and to have two tonight, that's not – not what we strive for, uh, and defensively we have to pick it up to take more, take the ball away more as well. And as a as a team, just as we operate, the communication, everything that we're doing, I think it, it was a good start for us, good first run uh, with coaches, players, everybody working together. I thought it was a good first start, but we can always continue to improve. And with our offensive line, it's just going back to work, right? We go back on the practice field and we get right back at it, right? And each day. It's striving to improve on your past performance. So we just get back to work. There's nothing, nothing else to it. You, you got to put the work in to get better, and we will get better there. Uh, we thought it would be a possibility for him to come in at quarterback. Uh, Cunningham was a really good athlete, made some, uh, made some nice plays there at the end, uh, running the ball. So it's a really you know, dynamic playmaker there at quarterback. Andrew Beck. Beck will be fine. Uh, he got a he, – Banged his knee up a little bit, but we'll get further tests. But as of right now, it looks like he'll be fine. The defense did a good job of swarming. Uh, I like the way you know we responded on sudden change opportunities. Right? We want to make sure we make the offense, make their offense kick the ball there, and we did. Guys stood up, guys stood out, and made plays, and it, it was fun to see our defense and the way they attacked there. That's the type of style that we want to play. Right, I think our offense continued to get better as the game went on. We we ran the ball well later in the game, and again, we still have things to improve on. But for the first outing, I thought it was a good performance by our offense overall. Right, the way uh, Davis drove down on the the half to end to end that first half with a score there to tank. I thought it was really good to see them operate in two minutes. Something we've been working on in practice, so it's good to see him come out and just be efficient. Henry was steady, just as he's been all training camp. Uh, the moment wasn't too big for him. He did a really good job of communicating, and he made a few plays there. So excited to see you know, his growth moving forward. Uh, to be able to go out my first NFL stadium, first NFL game, and there's a lot of things uh, that I've been through to just get to that moment. So it was just special. Uh, of course, um, just wish I didn't do one mistake on one certain play, but other than that, thought I played solid. Felt good to get hit again, um, and just get back in the groove. I just think that preseason—that's what preseason is for. It's important uh, just to get back and put your feet back in the water. So, um, not of course, I'm not super excited how I played. Didn't get to play a lot, but uh, just get my feet in the water, learn from my mistakes, and just keep growing. Keep, trust my eyes. Um, I've seen a certain look to where um, I knew. Uh, and film that they could run that to where the safety, if his man blocks, that he'll come off and uh, really be locked into my eyes and um, just lost lost track of that and um, just forced it. Should have just checked it down uh, to Dalton, but um, it was a great play by two. But kind of just hiding out, it uh, kind of was ducking low, so I didn't really see him. Thought I threw a good pass, but um, of course it wasn't. So hell uh, of a play by number two and just put that in my back pocket and learn from it. So. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, um, it's about accountability, just being accountable for myself and my mistake and, um, learning from that. I mean, that's honestly what been OTAs and camp for me. I mean, I've thrown, 
um, a couple of interceptions and I throw in a couple of touchdowns and uh, you don't ever want to hide the, ride the highs or ride the lows. You want to just stay even kill. So um, that's what I plan to do is just learn from everything, learn from the good and the bad. And um, I have a bunch of vets in there to help me every day uh, with that type of stuff. And all of them are, have nothing but great things to say. I handle it well. It's not easy to come to New England as a rookie and, and go in there and, and try to execute. But um, they felt like I did a decent job at that. So I just got to keep growing. All right, some reaction uh, from the ball game in Foxborough on Thursday night. Texans again, winners uh, twenty to nine. You heard the comments; uh, they're back in town. They'll take a day off and then get back at it uh, this weekend. Back to the camp routine, and then next week the Dolphins come in. But it's just good to see football back. Uh, last night, across the league, several games being played, including. Texans and uh, Patriots. Yeah, even if it's preseason. I, I mean, the first oh, week, you. that Hall of Fame game, apparently the ratings were just like insane just because everyone missed <laughs> NFL football. And even though yeah. the first two series is matter and then everything else is guys that are fighting for a roster spot or players that most people have never heard of unless you're like a degenerate gambler. That, but <laughs> you're, people are still watching. And even yeah. just like having it on in the background, just like nice to have football on. Good to see it uh, in action, Foxborough. Good start to uh, D'Amico Ryan's. First week as head coach, of course, they really count in the regular season, but he said a win's a win. It's a good feeling as they bring it back uh, to Houston and uh, hopefully build on that preseason win, again, 20-9 to over the Patriots. So, all right, that's uh, some uh, the latest on the Texans after their win on uh, Thursday night against New England. Coming up on Houston Sports Weekly, we're going to segue a little bit, talk some Astros, because they're back home from that road trip to New York and Baltimore, a winning road trip, and they're back home. Just briefly, three games this weekend against the Angels. We'll talk Astros baseball when Houston Sports Weekly returns. Stick around. And welcome back to Houston Sports Weekly. Uh, if you're tuning in or listening, our weekly sports podcast here on KPRC2 Plus and click to Houston.com. Good first segment talking about the uh, Texans and their preseason opener uh, last night. If you're listening or watching right now on Friday, they played last night in Foxborough. Uh, one game down in the D'Amico Ryan's era. We broke that down in segment one, but uh, the second segment, uh, Ari, let's let's segue into the Astros. Uh, it's been a big week. New York for four into Baltimore. Uh, they come back uh, where they split in New York, won the series in Baltimore, nearly swept the Orioles, just falling short on Thursday, uh, and now they're just back home for three. But they're uh, 116 games down, 46 to go. They're only two and a half back. They're in really good shape right now. Yeah, it's a good sign to see what they were able to do against the Orioles. The Orioles have the best record in the American League right now, and they're not necessarily a team that I'm worried about in the playoffs, partially due to the fact that they've just they haven't been good for years. They've never seen playoff baseball with this current group. Right. And from a pitching staff standpoint, you're lining up probably Framber Valdez, Justin Verlander, Christian Javier, guys that have a lot of playoff experience pitching against what Jack Flaherty Dean Kramer um, I don't even know who else is in that uh, Grayson Rodriguez pitched he's a guy that I think might be when it's all said and done the best pitcher on the Orioles he's a top prospect who's kind of getting it going but he's a rookie and in a playoff series situation mm -hmm. and I know that this was still regular season but you sort of treat is a big series for the Astros they're playing one of the best teams in the AL it's a big series for the the Orioles because they're mm -hmm. sort of using the Astros as a measuring stick of how good are we against the defending champs right and the Astros came out on top they beat 
Their closer, Felix Bautista, is firmly in the Cy Young race. He's been the best closer in baseball all year, and Kyle Tucker hit a grand slam off him. Yeah. He had trouble again. What a great moment that on, was, man. Yeah, he had trouble yeah. again on Thursday. Bautista has been yeah. dominant. He strikes out half the hitters he faces, and the Astros were able to get to him. And then from a pitching staff standpoint, they just don't have the horses. The Orioles don't, and the Astros showed that in a playoff series, I have no faith in the Baltimore Orioles against Houston. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, they made a run in that ninth inning. They cut it to, what, 5-4, and then uh, Yiner Diaz, that would have that almost got through the left field. That would have tied the game, and their third baseman got a glove on it. That saved them, really. And John Singleton uh, had the final out in that ninth inning. But you come back still with a little uh, with confidence uh, after getting the split in New York and then winning that series. Now you got to come home and take care of business. That's To me, that's been one of the disappointments of the Astros – just the lack of domination at Minute Maid Park this year. And these last, uh, what, 40-plus games, I don't know how many are at home, but, man, you've got to find a way to take it from here to here at home and just take care of business at Minute Maid. They've lost way too many at home this year. Yeah, and I think this is where the Justin Verlander trade is going to have wide-reaching implications because now you can move to a six-man rotation. Whatever fatigue wall that Christian Javier hit, you're Mm -hmm. hoping, goes down because he's now getting an extra day of rest. J.P. France is a rookie who's never you know, come close to pitching this many innings, especially just the high leverage of being a major league ball player versus working on the things that you need to work on in the minors. Mm-hmm. He's going to get an extra day of rest. Hunter Brown has never pitched this many innings, going to get an extra day of rest. Jose Arquiti's coming back from an injury, going to get an extra day of rest. Justin Verlander's 40, going to get an extra day of rest, right? And yeah. so having six reliable guys, I think, is going to help them over these last couple months of the season because the pitchers are just going to be a little bit fresher. The stuff may be a little bit crisper, but you hope if you have six starters, that means you have one less bullpen arm. Can you get Rafael Montero going? Can you fix Phil Maton? Can you fix Ryan Stanek? Can you get these guys in a consistent yeah. rhythm? Uh, you mentioned uh, Montero. Last, I heard a stat, last 17 innings, maybe something like that. He's only allowed like seven hits. So in that small sample size, He's starting to regain his form a little bit, and it, it took a while. Uh, it's been a rough year for Montero, but maybe he can now build off of this in the month of August and into September. Yeah, because conceivably the the whole season has gone on where the Astros have figured out before they made the trade for Graveman, they have four relievers they can trust. Presley, Abreu, Neris, Maton, and Maton's been struggling. Last year, Ryan Stanek set an Astros franchise record for ERA. Last year, Rafael Montero was one of the best setup men in the game. And then you had Kendall Graveman, who was a high-leverage reliever for the Astros in 2021. So conceivably, all seven of your bullpen pitchers are guys you should be able to trust. They have all shown at different parts of their career recently, within the last year or two years ago, that they can be high-leverage relievers. So if you can, and it's near impossible to get seven guys going all at the same time, but all seven have shown that they can give high-leverage innings. So if you can somehow get all seven of them going or six of them going where you can mix and match and not have to go Naris Abreu Presley every seven, eight, nine, I think that is going to help when, uh, when you reach the playoffs. All right, Angels are in town uh, starting uh, tonight. Again, if you're listening on Friday, through the weekend, just three-game homestand uh, for the Astros. It's going to be Verlander uh, making his uh, return to Minute Maid Park tonight. Uh, so he'll get the start against the Angels. you got J.P. France on Saturday in that national TV game. And then Arquiti in that uh, Sunday game. Kind of rough return for Jose Arquiti and kind of a rough finish in his rehab start. He got roughed up pretty good in his last start. I think it was with Corpus Christi Hooks by the San Antonio double-A team. That kind of carried over into his return as well. Hopefully he can get it, get it rolling. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that doesn't have the best velocity. Um 
just the the spin rates and things like that have been going down since he was a rookie in 2019 since he had that uh, that good year last year the injury obviously hasn't helped um but right now he's probably the number six guy out of those six jp france wasn't necessarily supposed to be in the majors at any point this year but he's got a yeah. sub three era as a starter in half a season's worth of work this is no longer a fluke been a great story he's yeah. he's seen half a season of work and he's been excellent all season long and mm. you you got to rely on him at this point at this point you trust jp france to give you good innings I don't know what we have with Jose Urquidy, and he's going to have to figure it out because yeah. if Urquidy does not start to turn a corner by maybe mid-September, there's no reason for him to be on the playoff roster. Yeah, that's a good point. Let's talk about some players now, just random players, where, kind of what we're seeing out of these guys. Let's start uh, with Kyle Tucker. I mean, great road trip. Uh, Dana Brown came out the other day on Sports Talk 790. He was convinced, hey, we're going to get it done. He's going to be an Astro Rest of his career, great GM speak, but there's that other side of Tucker's uh, with his uh, representation. And let's talk about what it's going to take to make this happen in the offseason for Tucker. Well, it's going to take a, a Astros franchise record in years extension, which is six that they gave to Jordan Alvarez mm -hmm. at $115 million. It's going to take an Astros franchise record Money-wise, with the record is 151 to Jose Altuve in that five-year extension they gave him. Both of those are going to have to be shattered because Kyle Tucker is 26. Kyle Tucker hits free agency at 29. The two contracts I'm looking at to compare Kyle Tucker to, they're both right fielders. I'm looking at Aaron Judge, the nine-year, $360 million deal he received from the Yankees starting his age 31 season. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at Chris Bryant, the seven-year, $182 million deal he received from the Rockies starting his age 30 season. Tucker's right deal in, right in the middle. Right in the middle. Tucker's yeah. deal starts his age 29 season. Yeah. Probably actually goes up just because of the inflation of, of baseball contracts. So you're now looking at a 29-year-old Kyle Tucker. Let's say the Astros are out of it, right? And just open market Kyle Tucker. Ten-year deal, 280 to $300 million. So we're we're looking at so twenty. He can get. You think he can get that that much? Yes, close three hundred million. Because wow. look at Judge is three sixty. He's not getting as much as Judge. He is two years younger than Judge. He's a year younger than Chris Bryant. And based on what he's doing in his career, he is a, a MVP candidate. He's not going to win because of Otani. Yeah. But he's received MVP votes in 2021, 2022. He's going to get MVP votes this year. And he's a Gold Glover. Gold Glover, two-time yeah. All Star. He'll be twenty nine. Prime of his career. So yeah. you are getting four or five years of excellent Kyle Tucker production that you obviously have to pay on the back end if you're a team. And, and I got a, a little bit of a chuckle out of uh, – and again, Dana Brown was speaking the, the total GM language there. Hey, he wants to be – and he might want to be here, but it's also – it's business. Yeah. You're going to go where the deal is. You're going to go where the money is, no doubt about it. He's a Florida guy. I don't think it can work out that way, but that direction. But uh, I know he is comfortable here in Houston. Of course, has a name here and a – uh, part of the organization, but it's going to come down to will Jim Crane commit? Yeah, and, it, and it's, he just hasn't. Very rarely, no. only a handful of cases, as you mentioned. And there, there are some advantages that he had in those other deals. The the Jordan Alvarez deal, where Jordan's one of the best hitters in baseball. But remember, when he signed that extension, he's coming off some injuries. He's got the knee issues. They had to scope out his knee, and so that that's sort of an advantage that the Astros have. Of we can price down Jordan Alvarez because mm -hmm. there might be some injury concern there. Jose Altuve plays a non-premium position at second base. So even though the, the contract was huge, he makes $30 million a year, it prices him down a bit. Cal Tucker is not priced down in any way. He is an outfielder. He plays a premium position in right field. Right. He runs. He hits for power. He hits for average. He does absolutely everything, and he is Total now in package. the prime of his career. Yeah. And so for an extension to make sense, it needs to do one of two things. 
It either needs to be short enough to give Kyle Tucker a chance at a nine, 10 year deal after it, or it needs to be long enough to give him the security to take him through his full prime, say through age 36. So if they want to do an extension next year before next season, which would be his age 27 season, it needs to be a nine year deal in the $240, $250 million range. And to make sure everything's clear now, and it's my understanding too, the Astros have control of Tucker I believe for the next two years. Two years. So they don't have to get a deal done, but I think it would be in their best interest. Let's just sit, let's get at the table here in the offseason. Yeah, play. if yeah. you can buy out his free agent years, so let's say seven free agent years at $27, 28000000 million, knowing that when he hits open market, there's a chance that you're he's going 28 to $30 million per free agent year, and that contract needs to be extended into his age 38, 39, 40 seasons. Yeah. Why not buy out that year and you take him to age 35, 36? And yes, it would shatter. Nine year deal, 240, 250 is roughly where I'm looking yeah. at. All right. That is uh, Kyle Tucker. He is certainly uh, the numbers rising over as, as this season progresses. Uh, coming through clutch, that grand slam, probably one of the best uh, moments of the season so far for the Astros as they uh, beat the Orioles. All right. Couple, we got a few more minutes here before we wrap it up. Uh, so, about Alex Bregman, the job he's doing too. He, he's showing signs, and you look. Back since the All-Star break, he's hitting around 290. OPS, I think, is over 800. I mean, he's – and he's playing great defense, too. So, he's he's really coming into his own here in the final stretch of the season. Yeah, he's a guy that almost to the point where it's become underrated that he's played great for a month and a half, two months now. Doesn't get a whole lot of love. Uh, Kyle Tucker's been getting a ton of the attention. Jordan is now back from his injury. He gets a lot of the attention. There are players that have been getting negative attention for how they've been playing. And Bregman just kind of comes in, does does his work, plays excellent defense, has been hitting better. He's bounced around different spots in the lineup, can hit two, three, four, five. And uh, steady. Yeah, yeah, and he's a guy that you don't want to face in a pressure situation as a pitcher because – He's just not going to swing at anything out of the zone. Yeah, and he's money when it comes to postseason, too. For yep. the most part, he's just over these years. He's when, been he's, up. when he doesn't have a broken wrist. Yeah, when they keep the wrist healthy, for sure. <laughs> Jeremy Pena, your guy. My guy. Uh, you know, it's been a struggle for most of the year, but small sample size. Let's say the last 10 days or so, he's seven for his last 21. Uh, you know, he had a, what, a three-hit game, I think, uh, one yeah. night against Baltimore. So here's another guy that now is starting to turn the corner after a rough start to the season. It'd be nice to get his bat going consistently. Yeah, there's some. there are metrics that are in his favor. There are metrics that are against his favor. He's not hitting the ball as hard this year. He's walking more. He's striking out a little less. They're small. Yeah. But the big story with Pena on the bat was this is a guy that strikes out a ton, the guy mm-hmm. that never walks. And so if he is making marginal improvements, walking a little more, striking out a bit less – That'll help. You hope that the power comes back, the batted ball contact comes back. He's not barreling the ball up as much. Some of it may be mental, where he's just a little behind in the fastball yeah. ahead on the, the breaking stuff. I think long-term, he'll be fine. Although the strikeout number may be down, I still feel like he strikes out too much, man. He, ch- he chases a lot. He does. Thursday was an example of an at-bat, his last at-bat, I think, of the game. Way out of the strike zone and went after it, chased it. So just a little more disciplined at the plate and – I'm glad the number is going down. It's, it's just slightly, too high. it's just yeah. not, yeah. I mean, it's not a drastic uh, improvement. Yeah. It's a slight improvement. And, you know, this is his second year. There are holes in his swing. There are things he needs to fix. There are mm-hmm. times he looks great at the plate. There are times he doesn't. Right. The good thing is you get a baseline from him because he plays excellent defense. All right, before we wrap it up, let's talk about what's ahead for the Astros again. Uh, kind of a weird schedule. They're, they're coming back for three after going to New York and then Baltimore. Coming back for just this weekend against the uh, Angels for three, and then they're back out on the road, but for only three games, going to Miami. Uh, Miami's one of those 
pesky Sneaky teams good too. Teams, yeah, yeah. you got to be careful down there. Uh, and then they're going to come right back home uh, against uh, Seattle and Boston. So I think this is not the Astros uh, season like we've seen the last few where they've run away with things in the AOS. They're they're in it right now. And uh, Justin Verlander made a good point at his press, at press conference in New York on the very subject, like, hey, maybe it's good for us to jump in and be in a tight race where we don't get too comfortable in the last part of the season where we're focused and locked in every day. I mean, maybe, but it also think it helps when you can rest guys and you know yeah. you have a 10-game division lead. Um, plus, do the Astros really need more high-leverage games? They've, they've played in the playoffs for like six straight high-leverage games yeah. constantly for six years. I, I don't think they necessarily need any more of that. Well, we'll see. Uh, they got. I think they got, what, three more with the Rangers, I believe? Or is yeah. it six? Okay, so one more series with the Rangers. Hopefully we'll get a Scherzer-Verlander matchup. That would be outstanding. Is that in Arlington, by the way? tee off on Scherzer. I think it yeah. might be in Arlington. So yeah. uh, Anyway, so that's the latest on the Astros. Again, go out and support them. Just, Justin Verlander on the mound uh, coming up tonight. And then J.P. France and Jose Arquiti round up the weekend before they uh, hit the road again. So, hey, it's been a fun Houston Sports Weekly. A good segment on the Texans, so the preseason off and running for those guys. And the Miami Dolphins will come in. Uh, they'll play the uh, Texans next Saturday. They'll have a couple of days of joint workouts. And then after that, will be on to uh, New Orleans. And they'll have joint workouts with the Saints as well. And, man, we're inching closer to get this season off and running. So, hey, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening uh, to another week, uh, another edition of Houston Sports Weekly, our weekly podcast. Uh, as always, on click2houston.com and KPRC2+. Have a great weekend, and we will do it again next week here on Houston Sports Weekly.